Welcome to Lucia Gabriela TV here on Facebook and thank you again for joining us to amazing to another amazing day and amazing um conversation that we're really so excited about sexual healing. So today we have an incredible and amazing uh woman. Uh her name is Cheryl Good and she's the co founder of Women Healing Women. And we're going to be learning a little bit more about uh, what are her thoughts and perspective about what sexual healing is and what is not and help us to clarify and understand more about what, you know, what is this, right? What this conversation about. Uh, really, really excited. If you have any questions, please feel free to type and uh, I will be so, um, so honored to answer those or Cheryl will be answering those too. So yeah, share this with your friends right now because the conversation about sexual healing is getting, you're getting hot, 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 hot today. So let's just bring in Aunt Cheryl with us today and here we go. Now here. Hi, I'm playing my with my phone today. <laughs> here you go. Here you go. <laughs> here you are. Here. Great day, Cheryl. How are you doing today? Excellent. It's a beautiful day in sunny, hot. It's getting hot in Sedona, Arizona. Awesome. So, can you just share a little bit about uh, who you are and uh, what actually you do with the Women Healing Women um, a, a weekend that you were talking about before? Mm-hmm. Well, I started this, like many people who become sexual healers, from wanting to heal my own lack of feeling connected to my sexuality. So when that happened, and that was many years ago, yet it was so distressing to really feel shut down as a female. Our female energy is an energy of creativity and connection to life and connection to love and children and artistic endeavors and I felt my world was shrinking because I didn't have that available to me. So that launched me into quite a journey of healing, um, beginning first with I graduated from a four-year program in energy healing, which was so helpful because it, it did give me the attunement to the subtle energy world. What it didn't directly address, though, was how does sexual energy fit into all of this. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I can talk chakras and colors and spirit guides. <laughs> yeah, the very essence of being alive, like the life force that was talked about in a way of like, oh, just kind of transcend it. So yes, there was a concept of grounding. It didn't really integrate, like how is this going to help me feel like I'm fully online again? as a fully sexual, radiant female. So that moved me into discovering by complete chance that there even was something called sexual healing. I mean, to me, that just seemed like, like how could you have the word sexual and how could you have the word healing and how could those two words ever be spoken about in the same sentence? It, just, it seemed bizarre. So in, in the great um, amusement of the, I'm guessing, of the universe, I met a man whose specialty was sexual healing, yet didn't really know what it was. I thought it was about, like, singing bowls and essential oils and tuning forks. <laughs> and then I quickly discovered 
that indeed it was, it, it could be those things and it still is in my practice, yet, um, it was a direct somatic approach. It was really coming into the body and in a very safe, very safe container, even though I thought it was extremely strange because I, my, my life in one sentence could be suburban Chicago housewife to Sedona <laughs> sexual healer. <laughs> So I felt myself come back online. I mean, I felt like I'm feeling things again. And, and I had recognized that there had been sexual trauma in my past. Mm. So I did go through talk therapy, group therapy, art therapy, um, which help, is helpful. And I, would rec- and I would say to anybody who is seeking out a way to, to reconnect to their sexual energy, those are all important modalities. And I think we'll talk more about that. Mm-hmm. as we get final question. So I did all those things and yet I was like, where is, where is the sensual? Like, where is the aliveness? So I, I started belly dancing and also all, all of this experience led me to combine my subtle energy skills. Um, I apprenticed to the sexual healer um, for a year and a half. I belly dance and all of this came together as in I can be with women. I can be a guide for women to begin to feel that, that vital, absolutely necessary part of life, which is each woman is so unique and so beautiful. Yet how do we get a container that we can feel that and more than feel it, like bring it out into the world? Mm, yes, indeed. Thank you for sharing all that. Oh, so I'm so excited about <laughs> learning more from you, like your perspective. To all of yours, we appreciate you so much. And remember, we want to remember, uh, we would love for you to remember that everyone who is here sharing the insight and perspective, the coming from their own personal experience and their studies and their awareness and all that. So we offering here amazing, great perspective, but always you are going to be the one that is going to be in your power to actually filter what resonates with you, what doesn't resonate with you. And also we coming from a place of honoring and respecting the all levels of uh, you know, practices that are utilized in sexual healing uh, itself because they are practices that are really powerful and transformational and we're not just going to judge them or anything like that. But there are different keys and ingredients that might be in, uh, taking consideration. So we're going to go dive deeper into the questions. And today we're going to go a little more deeper into the conversation because a lot of our viewers are also interested in the realm of becoming sexual healing or they are in the training process of it. So that will be mostly at the end of it. So... What is sexual healing for you? <laughs> so, my perspective is very broad. Sexual energy is life energy. It's the energy of life that creates other life. So, as a practitioner, when I'm with a client or a group, I, I help them look at what's between me and living my fullest life. So that I have a very broad, I started a very broad way of looking at sexual healing, which is life healing. Because our, we're naturally, we come into the world connected to our sexual energy. We came from sexual energy. Um, 
fetuses are touching their genitals in the womb, so <laughs> we're a highly sexual species. And I think just having some appreciation and understanding that being in a human body is being engaged in life and sexual energy is the energy it creates life. So I look at what is sexual healing? It's healing anything in your life that's stopping you, blocking you, diminishing you in any way. Yes. Yes, like anything that is holding you back from being your creative power, which sexual mm -hmm. energy is about. So it right. definitely, it's, it's, it's not just too broad, but it actually is, in some some levels, it's the truth. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what is not sexual healing? Oh, so sexual healing, what's not sexual healing is anything that would start to diminish that. Anything that, that it could be a belief, and I hear a lot of beliefs, especially around sexual energy. So what's not sexual healing is some sort of misinformation, because there's a lot of misinformation around sexual energy. Mm -hmm. And it would be any sort of beliefs around that you're not already whole. You may not feel whole, but intrinsically as a human being, if you came into this world, you came from a state of wholeness. So what's not sexual healing is a belief, misinformation, and it, you know, at the very worst, um, something that's called sexual healing and in essence is limiting or re-traumatizing the person who is seeking sexual healing. Yes. Yeah, we're going to be talking a little bit more about re-traumatizing um, at the end of the questions when we go deeper into the aspect of uh, inviting inviting the schools and, and practitioners and teachers of these realms to to be more conscious about the way that they create in the curriculum, the way they create in the teaching, the way they create in uh, uh, the workshop event and giving certification just to give. Um, so stay tuned until the end. Um, so how do you know sexual healing is for you? I would say if it comes into your field of awareness, if something, well, it could be anything. You could be repelled and shocked. <laughs> anything that creates some energy around it, I would say, is an invitation to find out more. Yeah. And, and it could be what I find, and especially because I work with so many women, is by simply being myself, <laughs> you know, at this point in my life, all the things I've been, a teacher and a mother and a performer and, and a workshop leader, all those things, my comfort level with myself, with my body, with my spirit, I find that women, they, they, they want to know, like, how, how can you be who you are? You know, and with all the things that they project, like you feel, you're so comfortable with your body. Uh, you, you know, I modeled having normalized conversations around sexuality. So, it, so it could either be like that I, uh, sexual healing. What is it? I'm, it? I'm shocking. What could it be? To being around somebody or reading something that piques your interest about, well, what what exactly is sexual healing, and is it something that I want to find out more about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just like what I think I'm hearing from you is that embodiment 
in feeling so good in your own body for invite people to be curious about what else is happening what else is going on here what else is expanding how this person actually is so free and so open and so connected with her sexuality i want to learn more about that so uh definitely it, it does question come and arise uh within you it will be a good um like you mentioned like you know maybe something that is coming to you that you desire more to know uh, to know more about sexual healing it's for you or not so how do you know it is not for you <laughs> well i would say that if you if you do some sort of questioning exploration do some research and you realize you know what that doesn't feel like that's the way for me to approach my healing so sometimes knowing what this is not can lead to something that is like, oh, you know what? I don't think I'm ready for that. You know, that seems like a, a deep, deep level of vulnerability. It could be something like I'm going to go to a group, um, an art therapy group. It could be maybe that's the way this starts, and it may never end up in a sexual healing situation. Yet there's so many other ways to feel connected, to feel completely connected through all the energy centers of the body. Yeah. So are there any levels, stages of sexual healing? <laughs> well, this, of course, is what is the hot topic, at least in our world. Right now is, it, it, first of all, are there levels to begin with? And, and I would say that this has been an evolving inquiry for me because I've been riveted to all these discussions. <laughs> and thank you for being part of the discussion. I'm really thinking through my own practice, like, well, what, what do I believe? What really is in the, the highest and best interest of my client? And I would say that I, I'm really moving to the side of there are levels. Mm -hmm. um, I have developed discernment over the years of when I do meet someone and then real and, and then having a sense of here's all your possibilities and yet the very basics of how can you calm your nervous system? How can you <laughs> how how is it gonna be when you leave my our co-created safe and sacred space? So I'm gonna say what I'm moving towards is yes, there are levels because everyone comes in with a unique background. And so many people are seeking sexual healing have been through some sort of trauma. And if you've just grown up female in her culture, and maybe you grew up in another culture, <laughs> and you're living in this one, I would just say growing up female has its own particular stresses. And, and, and let me, of course, say I love men. <laughs> I'm in a deep, loving sexual partnership. Yet it's mostly women that I work with because that's my experience. I can come and say... Here's what I've experienced as a female. And because I had to come from a place of being traumatized, I had to develop those skills. And it takes time. It just takes time. Nervous systems are like any other part of the body. You know, if, if you had some serious leg injury, you would know that it's going to take you time. You'd get the right type of physical therapy and nutrition and exercise. Well, what I found out over the years is that my nervous system had to be nurtured. Mm -hmm. 
So to, to jump ahead and, you know, have some, and I did have these ecstatic, expanded, like, oh, I'm like, I am a goddess. Yes. Yes. I am a goddess. But what, what, what was happening is I was taking on someone else's version. Yes. Which is. Bravo. <laughs> yeah. You just said it. You know, I don't need anyone else to tell me how to heal my divine feminine because, in essence, they're imposing their version of the divine feminine. Yes. Which is kind of a limited in some ways, and which is why, and I and I have friends who are escorts and sexual healers and dakinis. I never fit. I was like, but I'm not that. And I think part of it was... Um, and Tantra is giving me many gifts, but there was this version of femininity, and it seems to involve some gauzy clothes and a, and a bindi on my forehead, and and I love that, but it wasn't me. It wasn't the healer me. Mm-hmm. It was like somebody else's version of how the divine, yes, I felt the divine feminine energy moving through me, and I felt ecstatic, and I felt expanded, and I felt my heart, and I felt my yoni, Yet, I couldn't find a model, and, it, and that's why I never went, I didn't go to any of the schools, because even years ago, I was like, this doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't fit my model. Mm-hmm. I went through four years, a four-year program to come out as a certified advanced energy healer. So in a weekend, or in a week, I could feel all those things and I want to share it because that's what we do. We light up as women and we love and we nurture and we want to share yet. Now, how, how can I be this but in a context where I, I feel like I know who I am mm-hmm. and else's version. I know who I am and I had to find that and that's been my quest. And it continues to be my quest. And that's why this conversation is so, so, so important. I love it. Uh, it just <laughs> gave me chills because I I also was part of this whole, like, in this exploration of, like, learning, you know, because when you get into this realm, it's so cloudy. It's, like, so foggy. Like, you literally can get lost. And you have if you don't have the right mentors or the right teachers and, or you don't have that discernment within yourself on some kind of level of education or, or that eagerness. And, and you know, I it, it, it had been a journey of just exploring and also being clear with what it is that who, uh, that I do what I don't do who I am who I am not and also remember you know memories that I had from energetic memories from ancient Egypt that I have and I carry and it's like these memories that always talk to me about levels <laughs> and you know a lot of people get triggered when we say like levels of healing there's levels of work there's levels of it's like this cooling of it you know you don't go from first grade to 10th grade in a in a, in a <laughs> weekend right it could be a lot traumatizing and especially when it comes to this realm of, of healing emotions and your psychology and your mindset it could be so traumatic to trans, you know, to to be uh, go from a cocoon to a butterfly in less than a few minutes. It will be traumatizing experience. So, I really love that you're pointing out that 
It is so important in this journey to really come from a place of like, who am I? Who am I? Who is this individual? And indeed, it's like, I have also seen it and I've been part of it, like putting the vinge in there and I'm like, ah, oh, that shit doesn't work for me anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm a fucking Latina here. Excuse my language, but I am a Latina. I am not a like, I don't come from India. I don't come from this. And, and you know, when you fall into these, 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 feeding rooms with like these boxes of that because if you're tantrica or you're daikini you have to do this you have to act this way you have to dress this way and I'm like I'm like I'm a Latina I have like Spaniard I have Incas I have like my Amazonians in me and my Hamish you know it's like it was such an interesting journey so I really love and appreciate that you're bringing that into the conversation because for all of you who are watching, we're going to go dive deeper into the end of this conversation with an aspect of like um, inviting the schools and the teachers and practitioners who are certifying people in this field. So this is a conversation that at the end we're going to go, go deeper and we're going to actually invite how the programs, like the curriculum, the process, the screening process, because a lot of people are getting hurt, a lot of people are getting re-traumatized with this work, a lot of people are getting, um, you know, raped and violated, and a lot of people go, they, they, there's no system, this is not a regulated uh, practice in sexual healing, which we already have been sharing that there's a a big spectrum of it and we honor all the work but do we need to be accountable and we need to create an accountability system in this community for no more um you know no more people getting hurt with it because it's a beautiful powerful healing practice uh we just need to be more uh conscious about it so now let's go deep in this one so is genital work a part of sexual healing if yes at what stage of the process it should be at the beginning or the end mm. <laughs> so i would like to say that genital work can be part of the process and it can never be part of the process and if it's so then build a build a foundation for the client so that they understand how that integrates into their particular nervous system, their particular spirit. So if it's going to be part of the process, first of all, the, the healer, the, the practitioner, I actually prefer that word, the practitioner has to be so impeccable. Yeah. And impeccable is just not like, oh, here's my ethics. No. Impeccability is a daily absolutely being impeccable with yourself, understanding your motives, spending time in your own thoughts, completely getting any sexual, emotional, spiritual needs met outside of your healing room. That is just, it's priming for any practitioner, yet when it comes to sexual healing, because it is so powerful, like we're literally dealing with the stuff of life, if genital work is going to be part of the healing session, build a foundation for and with the client. Yeah. So they understand what this is. So they're just not coming out of a person with like their hair blown back and you know, like, oh yes, yes, I'm feeling so many things. I yeah, you know. And I will say I all you know, the follow up in mean it's not just the session. Mm -hmm. like, I always follow up with an email. You know, like oh, here's books. Here's here's other resources. Yes. 
Yeah, so for the practitioner to, to first of all come in with, I am full. I have come to this room. I have come to this session. I have taken care of all my needs, starting with nutrition. I got enough sleep. <laughs> I got enough hugs outside. <laughs> you know, I'm in a deep partnership with myself. If gentle to work is, then that is the absolute baseline requirement is that you come in in such a space of, I know my boundaries. I worked with the, I've helped my client articulate their own boundaries. And that in every session is right at the front. What do I want? What do I need? What do I don't want? What, what, what is not in need for me? That's for the client. I have to have that all worked out. Yeah. Before I step into the room. Having that clear channel, being that clear, is like one of the things I do in my work, uh, which I don't do any genital work, and I offer the 90% preparation of it. So if anybody always wonder what I do, I don't do that. <laughs> but I send to professionals, but my clients have to come through me first to purge whatever the heck they need to purge first and, and get some kind of like mental... Um, um, good, great mindset and honor themselves and love themselves and learn to really love themselves so much before they even go to somebody that I refer. And I'm very, very picky. That's why I literally am so, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm loving this because I'm really picky who, who I refer my, uh, my clients. They, to me, my clients are like my most important priority the moment of my work. They like nothing is more important, uh, outside of, of, of that sessions. Like they are right there. Gosh, like they're god, goddess to me, like. So this is how I, I, I usually do my practice. So I'm so right with you in there. So is having sex with a client considered sexual healing? You know, we're talking about the sacred prostitute. A lot of people talk about this, and if yes, should be offered at the beginning of the journey or advanced levels. <laughs> <laughs> So the first, the first word is a big no. <laughs> like, it's, first of all, it's not even necessary. Now, I will get to the sacred prostitute archetype, which to me, in modern day, seems, I would say, would be a sexual surrogate. Yes. Good and, point. And I revere those people. Like, like if I was going to bow to somebody, I revere to somebody who's gone through a sexual surrogacy certification program and then it's working with other qualified, trained professionals. I mean, to me, that is, I have reverence for yeah. people who, who do like to choose that. And I understand the appeal of the sacred prostitute archetype because I, too, have felt that way. Like, I am so full and overflowing, and, and I could take someone into my body, and I could... And I'm not speaking this because it's it's real for women. And, and I'm sure it has its version for men. I can only speak from a woman's standpoint. I can understand there is an appeal to that because there is a moment where I am I'm not I'm the universal. I'm not the personal anymore. So I have that feeling that the universe I am the universe, the rivers are flowing through me, the forests are sprouting out of me, the fish are jumping, <laughs> flowers are blooming. And would it somehow, if I could share this with another human and that would change their life, there is a, an appeal to that. Yet, what I know is I can still have that great fantasy, work it, play with my partner. It doesn't have a place for me in a sexual human. 
situation because the transference of that, I mean, the energetic transference, and the and so some of them may not be at the place where they understand that I am universal feminine, and now you get it's too messy, it's too muddy, and the potential for disaster. It, it's it's rampant. It is. We're meant to be bonding people. So for someone to think that they can have sexual intercourse in a session, and then that's this kind of like a casual, well, yeah, have a good day. That's not my experience of sexual energy. Yeah. My experience of sexual energy is me opening to the depths of me. Mm. So <laughs> you got I it. That. Hey. <laughs> Me opening to the depth of me. I love that. <laughs> like, I'm up. I'm so opening up. <laughs> and that's what I choose for me. And that's the transmission. But it doesn't have to include my yoni. And my it's just, that transmit, you felt it. That's words. We're, you're in Florida, I'm in Arizona. So it's not, it's a non-local phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I love it because it's like, I can feel the heat and it's like, it's like, I'm a very, myself, I can't turn it on and turn it off and like turn it on and I can feel, you know, it's like the beauty of it. And that's what sometimes people don't understand that. Also, you can do sexual healing sessions on Skype. <laughs> we close eyes. <laughs> which I do. Which I do because energy is non-local. Yeah. And so to think that it has to be like, you know, tab A and slot B. For something to happen is it's a tiny slice. It really is. But to think that that that's what it has to come to ultimately, like all oh, this is building up to that, it, it limits. And I'm not interested in anything that limits. Like you, I want to empower people. I don't want to hook them. Yeah. <laughs> and thinking that somehow I have some magical powers. Well, we all have magical powers. Mm -hmm. But I don't. Someone, their healing is for them. No one could else could have done my healing for me. Yeah. It's like we help them. We facilitate their space for them to be with themselves. For themselves. So I love that. And and I really appreciate that you mentioned it. It's like, indeed, like, I do, you know, we recognize there are some um, you know, some women, you know, some practitioners that do have sex with the clients. And I, I do understand some of them have a very, very, um, like, you know, to even get to that level, you have to be like, you have, have to work with them for years. Before, by that point, it's not even necessary, uh, you know, that from what I hear. Um, but I, what I love is that you honor the aspect of the, the training that surrogates have to go through. You know, the, the process that we, that, that these women have to go through is like all of us. Like, I do believe, you know, that it is something that, especially to keep it legal in an aspect, you know, why even, I mean, why even, you know, try to get with the law in, and it, I don't know, it's like, it's something that I could personally could not leave, you know, live, like, worrying about things and like, oh my gosh, like, and I believe that uh, sexual surrogate, uh, like, very powerful because um, they're doing amazing work and they prepare themselves 
they pay a lot of money to prepare themselves and they had to get verified, they had to be accountable, they have to have they have to go through the process. So I definitely I definitely think that it's really, really important to honor that. Yeah, so let's go to the next one that that what we actually we're leading to the next question is what are the code of ethic sexual healers should have with clients, even for those who offer sexual work as part of it? Well, this, this is the, the blazing topic right now, is, is a code of ethics, because there is not a code of ethics. Um, sex, sexological body workers in California, yeah, there is a code of ethics. Um, can we just lift that code and put it on our work? I'm not sure about that. You know, there's definitely elements. I've read through it again. I thought there are elements, and it's important. I think it's a good start. The ultimate ethic is the relationship of the practitioner to themselves. Mm. Now, saying that, always starting a session with boundaries, like all, ver- written verbal boundaries, if needs so written boundaries, I need to always be modeling. So I would say that's one of the ethics, is modeling effective communication around boundaries. And then, you know, the other ethic would be, what is your training? Like, and we don't have a standard. And I... That would be, you know, the future of our work, our industry, our passion. It's hard to call it an industry and work. (laughs) When it feels like it's the stuff of life for me, because it is the stuff of life. So a code of ethics, I think it's an evolving code. And there'll be a lot of discussion. And it still will come down to... Um, consciousness, raising consciousness now, because that's what all of this is doing, is raging, raising consciousness and awareness about what is sexual healing and what are the levels. And we're coming back to levels, it's inevitable. It, yeah. it, it, some people don't like levels, and that's okay, but they don't have to be, <laughs> they, don't all have, they don't have to be sexual healers. Yeah, even for coaching, like even for coaching, you had different levels of work that you, you know, um, that you have and that you offer to your clients. You cannot offer someone who is really advanced uh, at some specific um, area or topic uh, something that you offer to somebody who is very new, especially, you know, if you work with relationship or life or even help, you know, even nutrition. You're not going to, you know... Uh, Try to tell somebody who is uh, who's just starting to eat, you know, organic, just coming out of the star diet, and ask them and and literally give them like a whole thirty day liquid fast. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna kill the guy or the girl, right? Like you're gonna shock them. It's like something that you prepare them. It's like having these at school, you know, these uh, integrative nutrition uh, training with me. It's like is this. You know, little by little, you feed them one, you know, one spoon at a time. Like, you cannot uh, feed everyone the same way. You cannot prepare a program or even a nutritional program, uh, the same program to everybody else because everybody is so unique. So, right. so yeah. So, so really for some person, they may never get to a liquid fast, and that might not be the right thing for them anyway. Yep. So, it's the individualized approach to to any session which really does a credit to the practitioner and it does a credit to the to the client 
And as some code of ethics evolves and there's trainings which really address the, the, the depth and the breadth of this topic, um, I think there'll be more good and a lot less harm. Yeah. And I really love that you also point out the aspect of education. Uh, we also come from a world of the spiritual community that everybody is uh, being intuitive. We're channeling. We're remembering ourselves. I can tell you guys, I I was channeling my Egyptian energy like four or five <laughs> years ago, and I was testing. But I have a lot of training on coaching and and all the different part. But actually. It was interesting to me because as soon as I said, like, okay, let's explore a little bit about working with the energy, all of a sudden, the, the universe literally put me to massage school. And I had to go to massage school training, right? And it's like, I'm always educating myself and just having some kind of license and certification or whatever. Um, but finally, the reason why I am back to school is because I went to a deep training with one of my mentors about their pure kink. And in the upbringing, I realized that, man, I had to get my psychology knowledge to, you know, I had to polish that thing. I cannot just talk about from my heart and my intuition, which is great. But it's so important for me to have to get that level of education of the basics. So in the upbringing, I made the decision coming back from California, I'm going back to school and I sign up had been a very intense year, but <laughs> but it's really, really important to for us who are facilitating this to really keep up learning and mastering something for our clients. You know, we're creating safe space for them. And I, I do want to follow up because I live in Sedona, Arizona. It's like every other person on the block channels or does Reiki or uses crystals. I mean, I am in like the epicenter of a lot of people believing a lot of things. What I would say is if you spend some quiet time and you have some sort of meditation practice or nature practice, you're going to be more intuitive. You, you've already cut out some of the distractions because we're continually distracted. If you have some time with yourself, you're going to be more intuitive. And it's not like someone has a special gift and you didn't get it. I would say, like, if you move your attention towards that aspect of our our life, you are going to be more intuitive. And it's one source of information. Yes. It's the only source of information. And I love learning. I'm all, I'm going, I go back, I read my books, just understanding anatomy. Like, understanding the anatomy of arousal. One of my favorite books by Sherry Winston the woman's anatomy of arousal. There are women who just don't even have basic information about how their body, the capacity of their bodies. And then there's a lot of things to move. There's disinformation, then there's overlays of cultural beliefs and religious beliefs. I mean, that in itself can be tremendously expanding and healing and empowering. And it could never involve genitals. Yeah, exactly. Just that that leads into the next question. Can sexual healing <laughs> not involve genital work, sexual erotic massage, or copulation? Copulation is when you have sex with somebody. <laughs> right. It's a great word. <laughs> well, the first time I learned about copulation, I was like, why you cope? Why you cope? <laughs> and I was like, I was not aware that it was a sexual word. And I was like, ah, oh, copulation. That's interesting. <laughs> so I, 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 I guess I pre preceded your question. 
about that. It never has to involve genital work. For the very aspect that sexuality is so broad, it's like, it's life healing. So, and it's ultimately your choice whether it does. If anyone tells you that it has to include your genitals, that would be a big signal and you may want to move the opposite direction because it doesn't ever have to include that. And, and if you do want to include it, understand why you're making that choice to include that in your healing. Great. So I'm going to go straight to the final questions that we have. Um, and again, uh, we add in these level questions because of actually what's happening in the tantra community, in the sexual healing community, and uh, we're hearing all these cases of uh, rape and assault from practitioners uh, toward the clients, and we're seeing a lot of things happening. It's a very hot topic uh, right now because that's what we're talking about, a code of ethic in this realm and, and clarifying what it is and what it's not. And... Um, I feel like when, while doing these amazing conversation interviews with all of you, you know, the amazing speakers like Cheryl and then we have Michael the other day and we have, uh, Heather and then we have, um, uh, we had, uh, uh, Grace, um, Amrita. We had Amrita before. Um, pretty much it seems like everybody's coming to a comprehension agreement that, you know, there, there gotta be a level of ethic and a level of preparation, uh, for the individual, for the client itself. But while listening to everyone, I was wondering, I said, well, a minute, I've been a part, you know, and I'm gonna read you to you guys because this is not something that just practitioners, um, are responsible for, but this is about also the schools and the people who certified practitioners to do this work. So I'm going to go deeper with this conversation and I'm going to read to you and then uh, we're going to have Cheryl expressing, you know, her perspective on this. So these are my deeper insights. These questions are to bring awareness to practitioners and teachers of sexual healing, daikini training and certifications. Of the many trainings and certifications I have participated on, and I'm aware of from all the colleagues who has taken all the training from recognized sacred sexuality schools, genital touch, massage, and or diamorine is taught from the beginning of the certification training from day one. They start with the scary stuff first. Without proper pre-emotional and psychological preparation of the trainee. We find these certifications are offered to anyone without pre-qualifications and proper screening. We have witnessed re-traumatization, re-trauma, happening because deep wounds and emotional triggers come up to the surface and these are not properly addressed and supported with practical tools during training because of the lack of time. We have witnessed new practitioners start doing um, healing work with genitals from the beginning of their practice because that is how they were taught. And also that's how they experience their sexual healing experience. While more experienced practitioners like the one that we're interviewing are coming to agree that sexual touch may or may not be a part of the session. It is not something that is offered in the first session to begin with. 
It may take a person over ten sessions before they even experience conscious touch, which is not even in the genitals. It could be just the leg or the arm or the head. So now the question here is: Should these schools of of that that are offering reevaluate? The curriculum and create pre-requirement programs addressing emotional and psychological concept, and provide practical tools that can be offered in person or online before their certification training with genital touch is being explored. Should these schools offer support to their new practitioners after their trainings? Create continual educational programs and provide resources for their students to keep a high level of professionalism and integrity in this field. Should schools create an account accountability system to sustain the integrity of this practice? And finally, what can we all practitioners do to create the most safe container of healing for our clients? <laughs> so. Yes, yes, <laughs> and more of what we talked about earlier, which is as if you've made a commitment to be a practitioner, you have made an ongoing, lifelong commitment to yourself to continue to question, <laughs> get more training, evolve, have practices, uh, let go of old practices, bring in new practices. I was very inspired by Tanya Diamond. She did a whole Zoom about um, ways to calm your vagal nerve. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of that was new information to me. And I immediately took a couple of those practices, and I'm doing them every day because I'm realizing more and more, which has been my whole, so much of my healing, is like, how do I get my nervous system back to a place where I am available to the clarity, the discernment. Yeah. You use the word discernment. One of my favorite words. So if we're here to help our clients have discernment and power, because with more power, ideally comes more discernment. Now, sexual power is huge. Mm -hmm. Experience sexual power. Do you have the discernment? Do you have the maturity? Do you have the training? Do you have the self-knowing that I believe that it is imperative to have to be with a human being in their most vulnerable moments? I mean, I'm, I'm going to guess that you've had the experience where you are so moved by another human being their courage, um, their vulnerability, and yet we can acknowledge it, but we don't have to be swept along, you know, because then now what, we're not holding that place where they're experiencing their own. So, yeah, after a session, I may cry. I may be so touched by another human being's emotions and process, but that that's not for the session. Mm -hmm. That's... That's my way of me letting me letting me know that I have created a container with such impeccability that my client can have their experience, and it is not about me. At mm -hmm. <laughs> any moment where it has to be about me, that I have to get those needs met way outside my session door. 
So that's, you know, that's the longer answer to that. (laughs) So I can say yes to the training and yes to all the things, the levels and the follow up. You know, my model is I did a four year program in energy healing, which meant three times a year I had to come in person. I was responsible for 200 hours of sessions. I had to write the sessions up. I had a mentor. My mentor, I had to have sessions with my mentor. We had to review my sessions. So so I had self-growth and I had professional growth happening at the same time. It would behoove our precious sexual energy healing practices, our sexual healing practices, to have some sort of model to honor the fact that this is a huge, huge way of interacting with life, interacting with other humans. So I would say that out of reverence for our our practice, for our passion, for our healing, it deserves to have a container that now it's it's uncomfortable right now because people are getting like, I don't know, and you know, and I had my moments of like, I don't know, I gotta really I mean I had days where I was really processing like what's happening here and are there places where I can um, even create a better container for my client. So that has to be part of it. There's no staticness in this. It's literally the energy of life, which is always expanding. Therefore, (laughs) if we're moving with that, we're expanding and growing and learning and loving. Yeah, expanding. And I love that you mentioned out that um, you mentioned that. Yes, we all get are getting triggered by this. We all are getting like, man, you gotta step up to your game. <laughs> like we all are being called to really clear our shit. If we have any, because we all have so many. <laughs> so, so we are. That's like even myself. Like you know, yes, I'll. Like, how can I create a more cleaner container for my client? You know, like, this is like an opportunity for all practitioners, for all facilitators, for all teachers and mentors and schools to really clean up their mess and to really clean up and to really get more resourceful and also to get more, um, I would say, more clear with the boundaries and the uh, the ethic that they have uh, and how they actually and who they actually they're offering these trainings so so really really um important um i think i also have somebody um sharing some insight um i'm just gonna check i'm gonna check while you're checking i would say that there is an attraction in this field to sort of the outliers, kind of the outlaws, the radicals, the rebels, and they're important. That part is important, yet it shouldn't be the prime motivation, the prime motivation to engage in this field. Yes, you and I are not living way, well, I'm going to say lives that perhaps from the outside <laughs> people would, would particularly understand kind of from a mainstream perspective, like my mother doesn't understand my work. And that's okay. That's okay because I had to find in myself there was such a passion for it 
that I had to be in a place where that was, I understood why I was here and what I'm doing. Yes. Beautiful. So I want to acknowledge that it does, yes. This field is very attractive. It can attract people. Well, people who have had wounds, people who've been traumatized. People, the outliers, the, the, the rebels, the radicals. But I would say one of the most radical things you can do is create a container where sexual yes. healing can happen and, and just, most evolved form. I'm just trying to get the, um, the okay. comment to hear because I cannot get it from my computer, so I have to get into my phone. So... Um, somebody was staying mentioned it as always individual. Uh, Sergio. Hi, Sergio. Hi, Randall. Um, Navistatic, always the call to alertness and humility. So, yes, Randall. Thank you, thank you, Randall, for showing up. Randall is going to be one of another amazing um, uh, speakers. You're going to come. And, you know, it's great to have female and male perspective on this and some that they do genital work and some that they don't do genital work and uh, the level of integrity that they actually uh, bring into the conversations is this is what we're looking for. So like we were talking with Cheryl and it's like to me, it's like I have these memories of levels. <laughs> so that's how I really go with my practice. Everybody goes into a process, into a journey of Persian and um, you know, it's just one layer at the time that need to be uh, released, one layer at the time that must be uh, transcended and to go to the next level, to the next level. So really, really important. Um, yes, 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 yes. Thank you for the clarity that you have been sharing with us today, Cheryl. So how people can find you? <laughs> My website is loveandsexmastery.com. Yes, and I do have a Women Healing Women weekend coming up in Sedona, May 18th through 20th. So that's a weekend, starts on a Friday night and ends on a Sunday night. Um, I have a beautiful home. It's large. You can glamp. So this is for women only. Glamp. <laughs> Reclaiming our sexual radiance and its sisterhood, safety, dance, chocolate, Hot tub under the Sedona stars. It's it's a place to completely be immersed in. What could it feel like? What could it feel like to feel that connection coming back in all areas of my life? And since the focus is sexual energy, how can I recreate? How can I connect with my sexual energy in a way that is mine? Awesome. And that. You can see that on Facebook, it's on Eventbrite, Women Healing Women, and it's also on my website, loveandsexmastery.com. Thank you so much, Cheryl, uh, for today, for uh, sharing your amazing wisdom and passion and like how you actually helping women uh, to reclaim that sexual, sensual, erotic, ecstatic, <laughs> euphoric, radiance. <laughs> I really appreciate um your commitment and thank you so much. You are so welcome and thank you for your commitment. Thank you for making this time in your life to reach out to hearing all different perspectives. And I would say that this is not always comfortable, but change is not comfortable and chaos has a purpose. Chaos yes. is necessary to move to the next level of evolution mm -hmm. in our world. 
Oh, I'm loving it. I'm like, I'm loving all this contrast. Like, even when you were talking about the clients having the moment of like, I, I love when my clients got into the, these emotional like breakthroughs for themselves. And like, inside of myself, I'm like, yeah, this is great for them. This is exciting. So to me, I like, I love this contrast that we live in. So people can actually, um, so Randall is saying, a pleasure to hear your wisdom, Cheryl. Thank you so much. And um, yes, and Sergio is repeating your website, Love Sex Mastery, right? Love and. Love and Sex Mastery. Mastery.com. Yeah, Love and Sex Mastery.com. Thank you, Sergio and Randall. <laughs> yes, Sergio wrote down a comment. <laughs> and thank you, Randall, for showing up and for listening and sharing your insight, too. I really appreciate you. So, love you all. Love you. This is another amazing day here in Sarasota, Florida, here at Lucia Gabriela TV, creating awareness around sexual healing with amazing speakers like Cheryl today. And uh, tomorrow we're going to have another speaker. His name is Matias Rose. And eventually we're also going to have Randall come in. We just had to get some uh, dates. And uh, we're going to have more speakers and more speakers come in. Hi, Hannah. Thank you for showing up. Um, <laughs> Hannah saying... Thank you for having this conversation. It is so important as many of us in this field are seeking direction about how to move forward with getting these practices out of the shadows and into the world. Mm, love you, Hannah. Yes. 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 Yes, Hannah. It is. Yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Love you, everyone, and we'll see you tomorrow night, 7.30, and then the following day, I don't know yet. <laughs> but I see you. <laughs> Every, I have to go with everybody's schedule, so I'm, like, just working on their schedule because everybody's in different time zones, different countries, so we just uh, we want to make these conversations available uh, for the speaker to be able to express themselves. And, uh, yeah, so... Love you, everyone. Thank you so much. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>